I swear. Wrestling Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. I'm running out of nice things to say about this podcast. Um, just, uh, we... We could just say thank you so much again for joy- uh, for tuning in, downloading, streaming. It's not really a good uh, a good hype up to start, is it? No, but we're running out. Yeah, I can't just keep saying like it's the most controversial, the most exciting, most enthralling. Mm. Well, it is all of the above. Yeah, um, and uh, and we talk we talk a lot of good wrestling, don't we? We do, and yeah. a lot of a lot of good life as well. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we have got a, uh, well, we'll see what kind of episode we've got for you this week. Um, we're going to show you another side of British wrestling, I think. Yeah, this is like the the sort of shows that no one would, if Twitter or Facebook was around at the time, no one would have talked about it at all. So, I mean, Facebook was around for a couple of stories. Or maybe, mind, but... maybe if, yeah, I guess uh, camera phones and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. And I think maybe a lot of that stuff, um, you know, if it was around, perhaps we may not have done that stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't anyway. Well, I think I would have done because some of them weren't always, you know, financially they were quite worthwhile. But um, the the work we had to do to get paid that <laughs> yeah. money was, uh, well, my story in particular, which we will get to, probably one of those demeaning, embarrassing things I've ever had to do. So, so we're going to get into that. Yep. We're going to get into that. That's yep. uh, that's set the tone for this week's episode. But before we get there, let's have a little discussion uh, amongst ourselves, just friends, having a chat. Mm-hmm. So what have you been up to, Andrew? Um, I started to come down with a cold yesterday, Tuesday. Oh, I said to my mum... The tables have turned. <laughs> I know. I said to my mum, I said, mum, I don't know what we were talking about. I said, I haven't had a cold in like six months. And I don't think that's a world record or anything. But normally, on the dot, every three months, I come down with a runny nose and a cough. And, you know, it takes that, me... That normally happens to me once every three months. Every that's, a, that's a VAT quarter, though. So oh, that's why I feel so sick. It run down, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so it was yesterday. Like, yesterday, so we were just chatting, uh, I said that. And I swear, we had a little barbecue with my mother and father-in-law's last night with my mum and dad. It was very nice. And... Uh, Got home, within five minutes, my nose started streaming, so I got out the Cuprofen that I told you about, the extra strong sort of painkillers, and I don't know whether they work, people could probably tweet me again, it's all I've told you they don't in your mind. it's a placebo effect, isn't it? Right. So because in, you, say, you say, like, Lemsip wouldn't work, Boots Cold and Flu Relief wouldn't work. Well, this we've got Cuprofen, a box here on the table, I think I've got to mine. take them home. But um, it wouldn't work for you, it's not Cuprofen. Well, uh, anyway... I got uh, I took my cup of fen. I woke up this morning, didn't feel too bad. I went to that. I forced myself to go to the gym, um, and that just made me feel ten times worse. And I can feel my nose blocking up. We'll put it like that. Well, I do feel for you, but after all the sympathy you've shown me over over the weeks, yeah, uh, yeah, all I can say is gutted. I know. Yeah, I'll be okay. That's a commentator's curse, really. Isn't and it's it? my birthday Monday as well. So how old are you? Gonna <coughs> I'm going to be 28 on Monday. So How old are you really going to be? 29. Go on. 34. 34. <coughs> I'm going to be 34, Which yeah. is interesting, because you're still a young man. Um, you frame yourself as an old man. I, I, well, people make me feel like I, an old man. So, you know, so when, when, when I'm running a wrestling school with guys coming in who are 18 years old, and, th- and i felt this way since I was 27, I feel like, well, I'm getting to be old for this now. Kind of live to your own stereotype, though, don't you? You've got like again a self-fulfilling prophecy. You've 
decided you're old, so you're yeah. becoming old. But then again, I, I look at some of the guys who are involved in these big, you know, the, the WWE UK shows and the World of Sports shows that we recorded. I was like, I've sat there and put this label on myself that I'm too old to do anything. But I, some of the guys in there, I've got years on me. And... So now I'm angry at myself because I'm like, well, you do, you say this every few years, don't you? Because you wrote yourself off. When was the first time you wrote yourself off? <clears throat> Probably when, when I was 27. I can remember we had. Um, I think of you as before then. I reckon. Well, when I think about it, when I think about your. So so here's here's a story, and again, I'm only, I'm not name dropping, although, but you will claim. So I used to live with Marty. Marty's very good friends with Nick Aldis. Okay, so five or six years ago, Nick Aldis came to stay for a few days while we all went out and. Had some drinks. This and is stuff. A, a big name dropping exercise, isn't it? Well done, mate. You know some people. Wow, know, well done. You know the villain and Please. the NWA world <laughs> champion. So that's not the point of the story. So this is just what happened. And I remember talking to Nick, and Nick, I think, is younger than me by a few years. Quite anyway, a few years. Quite yeah. a few years. And I was having, I'd had a few to drink, and I can remember saying, Oh, you're going to go on and be such a big star in professional wrestling. You, was that when you were crying on his shoulder? Not literally, no. But I was okay, because like, I seem to remember that. you were. I was like, it's too late for me now. There were tears. Right? No, there wasn't tears. Okay. Uh, it's too late for me now, um, but you're going to go on and you know be something amazing. And he was like, well, how old are you? I was like, I'm 27. He's like, 20, you're 27, Andy. And uh, you're sat there telling me it's too late for you. I was wondering if he was more shocked that uh, you said you're 27 and he thought you were older. Oh. Or, <laughs> or, 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 but yeah, or the point that you're making, absolutely, yeah. You, I think you wrote yourself off too early. Yeah. But is it still too... Is it still too... Well, like, you um, can't just go through... You, you can't... I'm looking for some encouragement here. You give yeah, me no encouragement So I'm trying to anything. give you some encouragement, but you're getting aggressive before we can get to... <laughs> I'm defensive Before we can well. get to some encouragement. Yeah. So what the point I'm making is, throughout your career, you have made... Uh, you have decided that time is up, so to speak, on your career. <laughs> and, and and then you have a little resurgence. And you're having a mini one at the <laughs> moment, as long as James Ty's nearby. If not, then oh, it's... If, uh, if, I, if I could lock James Ty down, I think I'd be out every weekend again. But <clears throat> that's, that's more, more... I don't know, but I don't think you'd do it. So, <laughs> And I like the way you're saying it out in the, in the opening of the podcast, on the off chance that he's listening. <laughs> yeah, he's and like, he's just like, oh, I could do with getting out of the house a little bit more. <clears throat> he's like, oh, all right, Andy, I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, so. One last run. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I genuinely... I genuinely believe you've written yourself off too early far too many times. Mm. And, uh, and I think that you also... Again, I might be speaking out of place here, and it's probably not the place to talk on air, <laughs> but you are, so I'll tell you. But I think a lot of the time you are kind of, um, I don't want to say dismissive, but you might decide to take the easier route, the path of least resistance. With what? So with your wrestling, so you might be wrestling someone and you'll just be like, oh, let's just... Do the norm. Do the norm, yeah. Let's not take any risks. Let's just... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like in... I feel like... And there's nothing wrong with that, but I feel like you could... You're more than capable of, and you know you are, because you've had... There's every now and again, you'll have like these... One of these standout matches. I remember a match you had with Martin Stone um, in, in Sittingbourne, when Martin first came back from WWE. Yeah, it was his first um, match back. Yeah. And you had, you had a great match with Martin, and after the match, you were just like... I could do that every week. That was brilliant, that was. And everyone was like buzzing about the match. One of Crusher Curtis's favourite ever matches, actually. That's right, yeah. And, um, High praise, that. So you said that. Yeah. And then two days later, you're like, oh, I don't think I can be dealing with doing that again. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. 
But I feel like you can. I feel like you could well, do my it. Body, like my body still feels like I'm... Tw- like, considering I am in my mid-30s, I, say, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast, considering I was a fairly consistent weekend warrior, but I also did, like, all the camps for weeks on end. You know, I had a fairly busy schedule in terms of British... You know, not like a Dean Allmark or a Whiplash or someone like that, but, you know, I, was, I, was, I wrestled a lot. And I still feel like I can still, I've still got the the energy of a twenty one year old. So there you go. I'm not so like limping around anywhere. I think you've just answered your own question, Andy. Yeah, I think maybe. To, this could be the comeback. Could be. This could be the chat I've been dying to have with you for years, but <clears throat> always too nervous because fear of you saying, "Nah, you're wow. rubbish, mate." Why would I say that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm a victim of my own success. I'm stuck in the commentary box, which I do, which I love doing. Don't get me wrong, because I was saying to lads the other day, I'd rather be involved doing that than not be on the shows at all so there you are well this turned into therapy <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah you talk a good talk in the commentary as well don't you there's a few people i'd like to see smash you in the face yeah i'm sure there's a pu- few people who'd like to smash you in the no, face i as think well, there so. probably is yeah um, so yeah um so how did we get onto that so we were talking about this week or what have you been up to yeah colds you being sickly yeah um I don't know how we led on, led on to that little quick therapy session. I don't know. I, I can't um, remember either. But anyway, it was good for me. Thank you. All right. I'm back. <laughs> the general is back. Um, so, this w- I had some wrestling shows this weekend. Yeah, I you was there. there. I was you there for there. both of them. I was on time for both of them. I know. It was remarkable, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, I said I, to my driver, Bobby Tyler, big shout out. <laughs> she drove me and Curtis up front. I said, right, we're going to leave at two. I said, that way, we're not going to get there too early, and we're not going to get there late. Because what normally happens is the show's kind of starting, and you kind of... Rush in. Rush in. Get changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, two good shows. York Hall, Bethnal Green on Friday, another sellout extravaganza. Yeah, um, so with the York Hall shows, I think that was probably the best one I think I've ever seen. Um I wouldn't argue that. I think, like, pacing-wise, it was very good. Yeah. I think that every match delivered, and every match delivered something different yeah like um, a lot of it can just be like oh that was an epic match that was an epic match that, which makes for a great show obviously because you've got eight epic matches in a row you're gonna have a great time and, and to be fair the show was called epic encounter oh was it okay but <laughs> this one i kind of feel it was just i don't know like i couldn't even really pinpoint any particular bit but i remember at the end of it going oh yeah, that was a good that was like a really really good one like especially me who's sort of like a you know who's a cowboys and indians wrestler uh it, wrestling fan so I, I don't know it's just just what I overall just thought was the best yeah, one yeah I think uh, I think a lot of people are finding their stride at the moment as well I think that that kind of helps like Curtis lot. and David Starr for example yeah you know obviously it didn't go that well for Curtis essentially um, but it was just different to to let's say the Aussies versus Chosen Bros yeah and, and it got a hell of a reaction didn't it and yeah. I think that that's the important thing to realise and I think that it, that I think there's a misconception. I think a lot of people think that we, as people who put on shows, or myself as a promoter, as a booker, I require a certain reaction from the crowd. I really don't. Like, to me, my if, it, if something's been successful or not, is about getting a reaction and getting people to care. So whether people cheer the good guys or cheer the bad guys, it's really inconsequential to me. I just want them to care and have a reaction. Um, and and I think that's one of the most fun things as well is when the crowd kind of flip what the expectation may have been. But I actually had called Curtis getting booed in advance, but 
I think it's it's kind of interesting to see when the crowd does flip what you're, you know, and, and move away from convention. Um, it then presents some interesting scenarios for, for stuff moving forward. Um, so, you know, I personally, I'm, I just love crowd interaction. And, uh, and I think that it, it was a, you know, I, your call to me always has good crowds. But I think it was a on, on Friday night, it was one of the better crowds in the sense of they were into everything. But, it's, you know, they go hand in hand, don't they? The shows, the show flowed very well. Nothing went too long. Nothing was too short. Nothing was sloppy. All the, all the ring work was good. Um, and there's a real variation in styles. Like even the two tag matches were completely different to one another. Um, and I think that's what I always aim for in one of my shows, almost like a perfect storm. You know, you, you have a, a little bit of everything. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's what we had on uh, on Friday. So, yeah, if you want to check it out, it's rpwondemand.com. <laughs> yep. uh, but in, in all honesty, like if it was rubbish, like if it was rubbish, which touch wood, none of them have been so far. Um, but I, I would, you know, I'd be honest and open about it. If stuff didn't go where I wanted it to, I'd be honest and open about it. Like, I think that, um, I think that's an important part of running shows is the fact that you can look in the mirror and see where stuff can be improved and, you know, stuff stuff needs work. So, yeah, York Hall overall was a big success. And and then from there, we went on uh, to Sunday, No Rest for Wicked, where we had a show at the London Cockpit, which I think was another one of the uh, better shows that we put on. Um, so it was a, a real good... I don't know. I feel like we're at the moment we're in a good. Uh, I don't know. There seems to be everything seems to be gelling. A lot of the, a lot of the guys seem to be getting a lot better, um, which is to be expected. Um, <laughs> but like hope so. becoming more comfortable in their environment and finding out who they are, uh, which I think is a big part of, of wrestling. I think like uh, you know it's all well and good being able to do good moves, but being able to have an identity is perhaps even more important. Yeah. Well, we 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 know as wrestling trainers. Nowadays, trying to explain how moves do and do matter, don't matter. You know, like you can't have a wrestling match without wrestling moves, obviously. But it's not about the moves. So, I mean, we haven't got four hours to explain my theories on professional <laughs> wrestling, but you know. But uh, yeah, so um, so yeah, it was was good show for everyone. Uh, Robbie did well. Rob the Gob. Um, I th- I think uh, if he can sort of stay interested probably I mean he'd probably tell me off for saying that but like if he could stay focused and interested well, 100, yeah 100% motivated like he, he's he, I, I think he's someone who is 100% motivated but you can see uh, that when guys reach a certain level it's almost like you have to work even harder you, you, there's I think there's often and we've seen it time and time again with people from our training school um, there's often the assumption that once you get onto shows and get to that level the hard work kind of stops and you can just ride that momentum but I think the reality of the situation is those who actually achieve the next level and go on to achieve big things in the wrestling career they're the people who never stop learning and they're the people who they get to that where they might be putting in you know, so many hours per week, um, you know, at this, trying to get good at it. And when they get there, rather than being like, oh, we can take the step, the foot off the pedal a little bit, uh, they say, let's double down and put even more effort in. Because if we put this much effort in to get to where we are, yeah. imagine if we can get even further. <clears throat> and I think that a lot of, again, I liken it to this, right? And this is a crazy analogy. And I always use these stupid analogies. But I used to watch this program called A Year to Save My Life. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I think I probably so saw like, one or two. Um, large people had a year to a guy called Jesse something um he used to come in he used to take large people and um they'd lose weight over the course of a year so the the idea was a year to save my life they'd document it all 
film it and he'd hold them accountable for what they're doing. Um, and what you often find in these weight loss journeys is at the start, they lose a ton of weight and then they hit a wall. And once they hit, and, and, and it's kind of like, they're still skinnier than they were when they started. So they're doing well, yeah. right? And, but that is where, at that point where they hit that wall, that's where um, the making of a person comes into play. So it's at this point, they either double down, work even harder and get so much smaller results. But that's the kind of hurdle they need to get over to continue that <laughs> weight loss. Yep, Does that yep. make sense? So yeah, like, sure. Even though results are smaller, because because uh, when you lose your first lot of weight, it's easy. It, well, it's not easy. Well, you like you think job done, don't you? Yeah, like, you know, and you and you think if I can and if I can and if I can carry on losing weight like this, then you know I'm going to be a supermodel by you know this time six months down the line. If you yep. look at you know how many much weight they've lost, but naturally what happens is the first lot of weight loss is accelerated and then they hit that stumbling block where it takes longer and harder work to lose weight and then that's when some people become disinterested some people um some people just get depressed and stagnate um, and just stay where they are or some people put weight on and go backwards right but those who are successful in their weight loss journey, they're the ones who kind of, like I say, they double down, they put their heads down, they work harder and, and they work even harder and get those positive results. And I think the same can be said for wrestling. When you get to that stage where you've kind of, you've got down the wrestling per se, yep. you can either double down and get even better or you can just be, for lack of a better term, content with being a journeyman wrestler. Sure. I, I, is that a fair yeah, yeah, analogy? Which, which goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is exactly what happened to me. You know, like our, my my dream, or I, I hate that word dream because it sounds so, A, it sounds really cheesy and B, it just sounds really like um, fake. Like dreams yeah. are fake. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like we, well, we don't, like literally we go to bed, we have a dream, but it's not real. So like I would say like ambition is what is my, my preferred terminology to be uh, specific. But anyway, my ambition was always to wrestle for WWE and I got to do that a few times but once I'd done it a few times, I was like, I was kind of content with life. I was like, look, I, you know, I, d I was never a WWE superstar, but I wrestled in the WWE ring. So therefore I was content and I'd achieved my ambition. So that's when I think I started to drop off a cliff was because I, what I should have done was double down and work even yeah. harder and get to that WWE contracted status. But I didn't. I was, I wanted to rest on my laurels. I wanted to be like, you know, people that come in my mum and dad's shop, they'll be like, oh, how's wrestling? Well, I wrestled for WWE. But that's like, good enough for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, who am I trying to impress? Them? Was I doing it for other people? The people I went so. to school with? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, wow, I, you know, Andy did, Andy did great. But I didn't. And I'm paying for it now. You know, I'm now like, yeah. I should have doubled down. So, you know, people that get onto the Rev Pro shows, like, you know, whether it's Curtis or Robbie did one not so long ago. You know, now's the time as they double down and they go, right. So I, I'm dead proud that I worked on a show in front of 1,200 people, you know, paying premium ticket prices. You know, we could we could wrestle in front of 1,200 people at Butlins. You know, we wrestle in front of 1,200 people at Selsey. But, you know, when they're paying premium ticket, it's obviously that much more to be proud of. So, you know, regardless of whether they're paying specifically to see them is irrelevant. Um, and uh, it's put that value on yourself as a performer, right? Exactly. So, yeah, you know, you're worthy of being on a card where people are paid fifty pounds to watch you perform. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah. and I know it's that doesn't seem like a lot of money to anyone who's in any other form of the entertainment industry, <laughs> but in professional wrestling, that's yeah, kind that's of, high end, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, especially on the independent circuit. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's what this is. This isn't a message to them. This is just a message to like anyone who's thinking about like, oh, I got a promotion at work. 
or go for a further promotion at work. You know, keep yeah. go, keep keep working hard You've got to and keep build pushing your way up. and stay motivated. And yeah, like, and, and again, that, the same thing. I think that's the same. Uh, it, it, you, like you say, it, it's not just uh, it's not just wrestling. It's, it applies to work, and it applies to me as well with um, with with Rev Pro. And like you know, I could have stayed in uh, in Sittingbourne running those shows, but I tested your core and pushed for your core and made that happen. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, now we're with you with New Japan Pro Wrestling. We're running the uh, the ice arenas, so we'll see kind of how they go. And obviously, it's a lot easier with their name power to kind of you know justify making those decisions. But I could have run those shows in York Hall and known, been happy, you know, the venue I know and been happy and satisfied they're going to sell out. But you know, I've pushed that little bit further. And I think that's where I am in my in my wrestling life at the moment. I'm looking to push that little bit further all the time. Um, and uh, and that's why, obviously, that's why we sit in an office right now. And that's why we're trying to push the bar with our merchandising, with our live events, running more live events than we've ever run before and running in places we've never run before. Um, and, uh, you know, and we, we're kind of trying to up our social media content and our, our media content in general. Um, and I think that's all... That's all come down to the fact that um, it, I felt like it's time to push on. But I, in the past, I've been guilty of of getting comfortable. Um, but I think with all the movement around us, with you know, you've got ITV World of Sport, you've got WWE UK. You know, I don't want to get left behind. Yeah. With all that stuff going on, um, and so I want. So even though it's the most uncertain time, I re- like. So for my style of wrestling, obviously not so much your style of wrestling. If anything, it was probably gonna help your style you know when I say your style of wrestling you know I, I'm not like saying like a you know a, the style of shows you like to run mm-hmm. I potentially WWE UK and ITV World of Sport could help those shows along a lot well if they start if booking they, the WWE start booking the Petersfield Festival Hall well then yeah. we're going to have a row <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what I mean like yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, whereas yeah. for me like I think that's kind of the potentially the biggest threat to uh to kind of my style of show um, and I feel like um, you know I just don't want to be I don't want to left, be left behind and I don't want to be the oh you know even though it's an uncertain time I don't want to be like oh you know what if I had just sure taken it that extra way because the smart thing for me to do at the moment would probably be like you know like all this stuff's happening just get yourself into a holding pattern and let's just see how this plays mm. out and then you can move one way or the other at the end of it yeah but like you know I feel like I can't be dictated by others in how to move forward. It needs to be down to myself. So we've got to pretend this stuff doesn't exist and work hard to create and continue to create my vision for professional wrestling yeah. and, and what I want to achieve. And what I want to achieve isn't money. My, what, which, you know, I want to achieve legacy. That's my, that's my ultimate goal. And I think that's why I've done well because I... I to me, money's secondary over legacy. I want to leave something behind. So, so do I, actually, yeah. Big bank balance. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can leave your bank balance and I'll leave a, a ton of great memories cool. for everyone else. But we'll you see know. whose wife's happier. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, do you, know, do, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, do, like I feel like it's just important. To, uh, this is it's turned into a weird podcast, hasn't it? It's turned yeah. into, uh, you've had a therapy session yep. um, and now I'm spilling my guts. I'm yeah. like just telling you, you know why I'm here like I d- honestly it's legacy so it's all about legacy and I think that's why it's important this podcast happens continues because 
it's a big part of you know so many so much stuff that we talk about on this podcast like what we're going to talk about in a second it's just forgotten yeah yeah it's not documented at all no and like i know a lot more stuff is documented in professional wrestling these days because of the technology moving forward but there's still a lot of stuff which isn't documented at all even though we've had the technology there to document it yeah like i'd, I'd quite like i wouldn't do it because again it's just like a i feel like very self-conscious but i you know i wouldn't be against like a camera following me around 24 7 mm-hmm. because stuff happens on a day-to-day basis stuff happens which i'd love to share with the world i'd love to be able to document but like you know it it's just, yeah. It's not, yeah, I don't know. It's not very plausible, is it? But you know, I think that, uh, yeah, it's all about legacy, and I think that you know, making making sure that that what we've done doesn't get forgotten, and people can learn from our lessons. Like you said, you know, talking about your what you feel have been your career mistakes. Mm-hmm. People can learn from that yeah. and use it to move forward. And in another in another world, Andy, like honestly, like. I know we're sat here and it's kind of easy to say, but in another world, if, if, if your career happened five years later, ten years later, or started five years later, ten years later, you, I'm sure you'd be part of this WWE yeah. UK movement right now. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's all about the time. And it's the, all timing, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like, I mean, again, we haven't got time to talk about this, but this is an interesting topic. And I know it's kind of, again, it's easy for me to say because we can't dictate what happens and what happens when. But, you know, when I see guys put things up on you know their social media you know like wrestling was in you know this this sort of narrative that wrestling was in the dregs yeah you know but before before you know i don't say these guys it's not a knock on them but british strong style you know like wrestling was around before you guys we were drawing houses before you guys like and i'm not speaking them specifically i just mean like because they're over you know they're a big act i think i think what you're getting at is that they have a platform to be able to to kind of give their version of history right um and i think they did a pro i I hadn't heard it so i can't comment i know they did a a podcast with chris jericho yeah where my understanding is they yeah and and again and again and i'm not kissing their ass they're talking about their own experiences but it just came across as a way to be like um, well, the shows we went to were rubbish, but that doesn't mean all the shows in the country weren't but drawing. I, well, or you know, I've openly said like uh, the reason I got into wrestling in the first place was, um, or the re- not the reason I got into it, but like one of my motivating factors was creating a product which wasn't as rubbish as the rubbish which was, yeah, you know, which was being presented in town halls up and down the country. It's not to say there's anything wrong. I call it rubbish because that was my personal opinion of it, um, and some of it was very good. There were like always bright sparks. Like for example. I remember Robbie Brookside always used to be a huge bright spark of a show and used to bring the room alive, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I even remember there's an article in one of the Power Slam magazines which said something like, just because a British wrestling show's got Robbie Brookside on it doesn't mean it's any good, something That's like right. that. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, But like it, Robbie was like a level above everyone else. And then, of course, you had your Jodie Fleisch and Johnny Storm come through. And, you know, you always had the clear, the clear Doug guys. Doug Williams. Doug Williams. Yeah. And like, Drew McDonald. Yeah. Like, guys like that always were a cut above, you know... The rest of the but the, the the guys the guys who who you probably saw, I mean I I couldn't remember any names off the top of my head, but I bet they they were in the business probably two years. Yeah, you no, know, the, yeah, very very. But possible. Robbie, Drew, Jody, Jody, Doug, they're all lifers. Yeah, you know, and they're not millionaires from it. Yeah, so, and um, I, I forget the point I was making about um. Well, we've just said how like the <coughs> this sort of narrative that's oh, okay, up. yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so and again, I think it's important just to remember and reiterate that I and I always get 
people telling me off. But when I say I don't think we're in a boom period at the moment for British wrestling, I always get people telling me off. But like the reality of the situation is, when I first got involved in British wrestling, I remember Brian Dixon's schedule. He's run two, maybe three shows a day in terms yep. of hall shows, plus his camp shows on top of that. And they were all doing booming business. Mm-hmm. And, and I know, like, if you look at his history, he had downturns in business. And there was one point he nearly got out of it altogether. And he wasn't he doing, like, male strip Tri- shows? Like, tri- I think they were, like, I think Chippendales. Chippendales, f- f- yeah. Full Monty type yeah. things, you know. And, uh, but he had a he had that resurgence where, and I remember like I remember going to a Fairfield, Fairfield's Hall show once, and it was just rammed, like yeah. every like every seat taken, um, you know. And and he, the, there was times when you know, and I say if you look at his date sheet now to what it was ten years then, ago, yeah, then it paints a very different picture to is British wrestling in a boom period at the moment, right? And and I, my argument I always make is there's just a handful of people who are doing what they do very well but are delivering to a niche. Yeah. Uh, Brian's product was very much mainstream. Sure. Um, but there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with uh, delivering to a niche because I'd argue now that WWE is delivering to a niche more than they've ever delivered to a niche before in their <laughs> lives. Right. You know, and I, I feel that, you know, I, I'm, not <laughs> I'm not a business analyst, but TV ratings are down. Attendances are down across the board for WWE however income is up massively and I'm sure spend per head is up massively because WWE are doing a great job of catering to their niche wrestling fan and sure that niche is has got a bit wider scope than the the niche that we are as Revolution Pro Wrestling myself is trying to attract they are still a niche onto themselves and there's only that one time a year Wrestlemania where it becomes that worldwide spectacle that yeah know. every but like even when i was a teenager say 17 18 people didn't watch wrestlemania like they watch it now no not at all and that's so like i think so i think that the you know whilst it is a niche in some respects wrestlemania has become a pop culture event which is everyone knows wrestlemania is going on yeah. don't they every well near enough everyone not everyone even but. even father christmas yeah he'll probably go on yeah yeah he knows who jake the snake roberts is he does yeah um so yeah. Anyway, that's okay. us. We've put the. Well, there you go. We've, we've put the. We've we, we've talked about the highest. Well, we're sort of the middle ground, the highest of heights. Let's hit the lowest of the lows, yeah. shall we? That's the topic of the week. So we all have those experiences in mm-hmm. our lives where we we look at ourselves in the mirror and say, "Why did I do this? Why did I do that?" And yeah. So I've had loads of those experiences. Just just because I always just loved being involved in it, probably on on any level. So where we are now in your office, we're opposite a school. And I won't tell the whole story now, but about 10 years ago, I got asked to go in my wrestling gear to a fundraiser for an autistic charity. And actually, that was one of the better ones. But I remember just walking around being like, why did I, you know, A, why did I agree to do this? And B, I'm never doing anything like this again. You did, though. But I did a million <laughs> more times. Like, you know, people just ask me, <clears throat> oh, can you go here and, you know. What about, have you told your video game story? Which one was that? When you went to, didn't you play like one of the WWE computer games in the wrestling gear, in your wrestling gear in a Super? Oh, in Asda, yeah, you did. So that was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, yeah. So that that'll be certainly. But you've reminded me of that one actually. Yeah, that was one of the, one on the list where I had to go to Asda, and where you know, like I've always kind of prided myself on being. If I'm because I wasn't very tall, like my mum's four foot ten, so I genetically I was just never really built to be very tall. 
Um, and you uh, wouldn't have thought you're looking in your pictures, though, do you? What being that you'd be short, that you're short. No, because I stand on tiptoes all the time. Every single Every one. Every single one. So, um, so, so, so my point is, like, I was never. <coughs> excuse me. I was never. I did this thing in Asda, and I had to get changed in like the change rooms in Asda. And I come out, and, and I, the reason why it was so bad is because I'm so self-conscious of how short I am. So I was like, when people say, oh, there's a wrestler in store today, they're going to, I, in my head, I've built up, they're going to think six foot four, you know, built like a tank, and I'll just be a disappointment to people. So I'm a, I end up playing Xbox, which I don't, I never played Xbox ever. So not only, uh, not only do you have all these insecurities, you're also worried about kids coming along and beating, beating me on the game. game. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so there's that story anyway. Um, but we're going to talk about a specific time in, it was 2005, summer of 2005, I'd just done a six, seven week run, maybe even longer, on the Haven Holiday Parks with Phil Powers. I'm not going to talk about the holiday camps today, we're going to talk about this. Uh, it's, uh, it's essentially, I think, the last remaining wrestling challenges. So you hear William Regal, Robbie Brookside, Frankie Sloan, (coughs) excuse me guys, I'm struggling here with my throat, um... You hear them talk about being in at the Blackpool Pleasure Beach, being the wrestlers, challenging punters in the audience to a real scrap, and if this punter would, would last so many minutes. And, and of course, like for any wrestling historian, this is how wrestling actually began in, right. in carnivals, yes. which I guess is where the term carny comes from. Yeah. And this, was the ori- this is the original professional wrestling, and wrestling is actually, I, I know this because I, used to, I have a degree in... Uh, theatre <laughs> yeah <laughs> but wrestling is actually one of the oldest forms of theatre so you'd have like punch and judy would be one of them okay and you know like so the way theatre used to be you'd have booths right mm-hmm. so when you see something like a like a, i want to say romeo and juliet but you often see like um you know like Sh- shakespeare and, and stuff like that where you see um where they go to these little, uh, and I don't, Romeo and Juliet's probably completely wrong, so don't crucify <laughs> me. Um, but like they go to places and they, they have these little, they go to like the, the carnivals and they have all these little sideshows. So like a little uh, a little play would be a part of the thing. So it wouldn't be, they wouldn't necessarily do a full, you know, two hour play as we know now. They might do a, oh, okay. you know, a, a, little, a little bit. From right, right, right. Okay. And they might have some sword fighting, yep. you know, and then they might have Punch and Judy. And then one of the stands was the wrestling was stand. Wrestling. Yeah. Okay, oh, I didn't know that. So, um, so this is <coughs> origins of theatre. That was uh, what the unit was called. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And wrestling was one of them. Yeah. Okay. So this is a similar story. So anyway, as far as I I was concerned, or as far as I knew, as all these things had died out. You know, Blackpool Pleasure Beach was probably the last place this this act of pro wrestling took place. So my friend Eamon, who was obviously from Ireland, he was my best friend, and we did a lot together. And he, uh, in wrestling, and he, uh, <laughs> and he called me up. He said, I've just had a phone call from Oreg Williams. So Oreg Williams is obviously a well-known promoter on the British circuit. And uh, he said, and, and Eamon was on the Irish tours. So Oreg's last ever tours, he used to, was, were in Ireland. And Eamon was the Irish hero, you know, with his shamrock shorts and come out with his flag. And again, those were massive shows. Eamon sometimes wrestled around 2,000 people. So, um... So Oreg said, uh, I've had this thing come up. Are you interested in doing it? And basically, it's a, a, a promoter called Ronnie Taylor. And it was at the Great Dorset Steam Fair. Okay, so, so Oreg had explained it to Eamon. Basically, we'd go down there. There was a big, um, I, I keep wanting to say stadium, but it's not a stadium. But it was like, I've got some pictures. Which, like a tent. 
But it was more than a tent. It was a building. So like a circus building? Yeah, but it wasn't a tent. It was built out of wood, but it had Ronnie Taylor's wrestling booth. <laughs> but wrestling booth, but it was big. Yeah. Okay, so we get there, and uh, and I remember we we walked up. Me and Eamon went together. We parked up. We were walking down. This place is massive. It attracts like 100,000 people a year or something. It's huge. So there's all sorts of fairground rides and people there, steam engines, and there's probably like a... You know, hot dog. It's massive. Okay, so you're going to say it's a hot dog stand. That's <laughs> good. Yeah, there's really hundred hot dog stands, thousand of them. So burgers, uh, chicken, <laughs> pizza, anything you want. <laughs> so, so we walk along, and then my mind's put at ease because I'm thinking, what are we doing? Like, you know, but, but what Oric had said, he said, you'll learn more about being a wrestler over these three days than doing a year on the camps. He said, okay. So we didn't really know what that meant, and uh, we're walking towards towards the booth. We find the booth. And we see, uh, <clears throat> I think, oh, thank God, Phil and Flatliner are there. Okay. The closer we get to the booth, I realise, that's not Flatliner and Phil. That's that's some guy I don't know. So I'm like, oh, no, what have we got ourselves into? Because we knew we were out of, co- out of our comfort zone. I said, I just spent six weeks going, come on, kids, cheer for the goodie, boo for the baddie on the camps. And I'm thinking, what on earth have we got here? So anyway, there's a guy there called Eddie. He was sort of in charge of things. Ronnie Taylor was there. Ronnie Taylor must have been in his 90s. I think he died a couple of years later. But I did get a picture with him. And um, so we approached the booth. What Eddie says, okay, so what you're going to do, guys, this is Mick. So Mick Fage, his name is. He, his dad was there. Mick had wrestled Giant Haystacks and a few others towards the end of Haystacks' career. And Mick was the wrestler. And me and Eamon were the punters. Okay, so we're in our normal kit. No, not kit, sorry. Trousers, shorts. Um, so you were probably in like uh, some neon shorts. Nothing to stand out. I've got that bitches. bright red cap you used to wear. <laughs> yeah. All there, no one knew. So, uh, so, so the idea was... Um, why have I forgotten his name? I only said it two minutes ago. Eddie. 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 So, so Eddie's up on stage and, and the show's about to start. They start ringing a bell and Eddie's there. He's the MC of the event and he says... Right, we want travelling lads, we want wrestlers, we want boxers, we want travelling lads, wrestlers and boxers. Come up, come up. And he's drawing a crowd. And so me and Eamon are opposite sides of this crowd. And um, who? Right, we want travelling lads to box each other. You'll get £5 each or £10 each, whatever it was, um, to box each other. Okay, so, uh, so, so there's a lot of travellers there because they're all doing the fairground rides. Yeah. Okay, so, um, so, so the, you know, hands is were this, shot. Sorry? It's legal. Oh, I don't know. It certainly ha- <laughs> I think it still happens now. That, wow. Yeah, and you and I'll explain at the end of it. Okay, why I know it still happens now. So, um, so all these travellers put their hands up. You know, they they want to box each other for a bit of a laugh. They got the gloves and everything. There's a Netflix documentary about uh, bare knuckle fighting. Is it? So, yeah, it's like a four part documentary. Okay, it? I'll check it out. I'll probably know half of them now. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, so the travellers there to box. So there's got a travellers boxing match. It wasn't just travellers, but. The, the guy, Eddie MC, was constantly like, travelling boys, travelling boys, come on, let's get some travelling boys in the ring. So, um, so, so some travellers there, they were boxing, and then it was, hoop, hoop, right, let's have a wrestler, surely we've got a wrestler. And me and Eamon would take it in turns, put our hands up, and go, oh, this was it, me and Eamon still laugh at it now, I'll, I'll go, I'll have a go, oh, yeah, yeah alright, <laughs> I'll, I'll try that. So it's all very much like kayfabe, okay, so, you know, and everyone's going, oh, good luck, mate, good luck, mate, and, oh, thanks, man. So, uh, so anyway, the, the first boxing match goes in, then they get the wrestlers in, okay? And obviously, me and Mick don't know each other. So I've got a question. Yeah. The boxing, is that worked as well? Or no, is that? no, okay. that's full on shoot, okay. right? And uh, and one time, this huge, he was kind of like, um, 
almost like a cartoon character, how big he was, okay? So he was there with his family. He was enormous, and he got annihilated, <laughs> right, by this young kid. They're both travellers, by this young kid. Uh, well, I say young kid, he's probably like 18, but this, this lad was big. And he got so stressed out he took him like I'm trying to do the actions now which obviously no use to anyone listening in like a headlock takeover threw him on the floor <laughs> threw the gloves on him and stormed out so it was a, it, that was real like that was 100% real like the, the travellers were, were just having a fun right <laughs> it's fun just a laugh yeah so so, so all these travellers go. so I'll be ready for my wrestling match and the other say let's say the second boxing match with these travellers they're sort of saying, oh, have you been a wrestler long? I say, oh, I've been doing about five years. And they're like, oh, you know. And they, they, I don't think they ever directly asked me if it was real. But there's no way I, I was allowed to sort of tell them it was an act. Okay, so, um, so, so this happens a few times. We get to the first night. So let's say it's Friday night, first night. So we've done it a few times already. Uh, Ronnie so how Taylor. does the match go? Is it just like headlocks and slams? Yeah, yeah, but not even slams. Like this is where Oreg said you'll learn more about working a crowd here than you will do in anything. So a jumping clothesline, which we would consider a very simple move, got an amazing reaction, right? So, and this is a point I forget forgot to mention was once they'd organised the boxing match, the wrestling match, the boxing match, the people then come in and pay two pounds each to come watch the show, which would last probably about twenty minutes. Okay, so they're taking money on the door. And uh, so all the travellers would come in and watch their brothers box and, you know, the wrestling was just sort of stuck in the middle. But everyone got into it. Everyone, I think a lot of people kind of knew it was a bit of an act, but we weren't allowed to say it was an act. So, um, so by, the, by the Friday night, these boys are coming up to me, say it was my turn. And they're saying, oh, you've been doing this long. And they're asking me and I'm just sort of, you know, kayfabing them, but not to be rude to them. I was just following orders. Um and then Ronnie Taylor comes out to watch one of the shows. So Ronnie, as I said, is the old-time promoter. He's probably been doing this his whole life, I'd say. And um, he says to me, Oh, laddie, why don't you take your shirt off when you wrestle? So he wasn't Irish. Uh, I can remember anyway. And, he said, and I'm like, okay. Okay, so I take my top off. And I'm 21. I'm in good order, right? So then I think, oh, was that a good idea? Because I'm only, I didn't want to, the last thing I want to do is upset these travellers. Okay, on any level, do you know what I mean? But, but I've already told, I've already told them a pack of lies, but that's because yeah. I had to. So, uh, so we get through the first night. Me and Eamon go home. It was fine. We're like, oh, that was a good laugh. Okay, so we get back the following day, right? And we, we again, we start at midday. Say same routine. I'll have a go. My turn. Eamon, I'll have a go. His turn. Okay, <laughs> good, for like good impression. Yeah. So for hours on end, this happened. We probably did like ten, fifteen matches, right? And then surely the same people are going to be seeing this, no? Well, this is where it becomes a problem. It's because the travellers are on site, obviously, and they're probably all talking to their mates. Oh, we can go have a box over here, and we're allowed to beat life out of each other, <laughs> you know. So, uh, so it becomes apparent that what I've told them on the first night, I was, you know, when I've said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just here on, you know, I come here for the day. It comes apparent I'm all part of the act, and they weren't, they weren't happy because I'd lied to them. Okay, so I start getting all these threats. No, I say threats. They were just like, "Oh, you, oh, oh, you're back again, are you?" And I was like, "Yeah, just back again." And they're like, "I don't want to. I don't want to keep doing the impression because or the the, the accent because I don't want to feel like I'm mocking them because I'm really not. I was, I was terrified, and you'll find out why." Um, and uh, so, um, so these so they start saying to me, "Oh, why didn't you get in the ring and box me?" And I'm like, "Nah, I'm just a wrestler. I don't box. I'm a wrestler." And, but they were th they were hammering me constantly. Like, why, if it was my turn or not, it w they'll be like, "Come on, come on, come on in and box me. Come in and box me, will you?" <laughs> so I'm like, "I'm not coming in to box, right?" Because two things, right? 
if I'd have got in and boxed them, I'd have got I could have got my head kicked in. But if by the stroke of luck I knocked one of them out, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's a yeah. loose lose situation. Yeah, absolutely. Lose lose situation. <laughs> so um, so I'm just trying to fend them off. I'm I, like politely. I'm saying, nah, boys, I'm a wrestler. I don't box. I don't box. I think I might have said to a couple, well, come in and wrestle me instead. You know, and and probably stupidly, I shouldn't have even said that. But anyway, uh, that was the first night. That, so sorry, this was the second night. We then stay asleep in our car. Okay, this is like it saves us driving all the way home. We lived about an hour and a half from home. I've just gone home. But yeah, in hindsight, I think uh, we should have done. Probably stayed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we slept in the car. Woke up the following morning, just thinking. Oh, and the point, obviously, I forget to mention is this, right? So obviously, I'm English. Eamon's Irish. They loved Eamon. Because they're he's, all Irish. Yeah. So he's like a traveller, one of them. He's one of them. Yeah. So I'm the one, the little short, stocky one, English, who's lied, told him a pack of lies. I'm, I'm public enemy number one. And I start to feel really threatened, to be honest. And then the, the, set, the whole of the second day, it's the same again. Come on, come on, get in the ring. And come on, you think you're tough? You think you're tough? And it got really quite hairy. Um, uh, one particular, uh, this guy, I can picture him now. He had, he had dark hair, curtains, and... He was he was just mean looking. He wasn't particularly big, but he, he he loved getting in the ring to box all the time. And I'm like, please, like, just get through the day, you know. And um, so it did. In the end, me and Eamon left there, and uh, and we're driving home. And all I could think of in my head, we're now driving home the second night. So we're done. We're leaving. I'm like, thank God we got out of this life. I'm driving. Eamon's in the passenger seat next to me. He's rolled his seat down, put a towel over his head. So again, we're trying to. Because if anyone sees us leaving together, yeah. is that going to cause another row? And just like the, the movie movie scenario in my head was we were going to... Because it's all down country lanes. All I'm petrified of is I'm going to come out of this carnival, turn right halfway down the road, someone pulls out in front of me, someone's now behind me, and they're going to bash us in. <laughs> or me, anyway. Like It was really, really quite unpleasant. And the reason why we were so frightened, or at least I was frightened... And Eamon was frightened. And I hate using that word frightened because we sound like chickens. But honestly, it's hard to put into words how how um, aggressive it was getting. The night... So we'd gone home the first night. On the way to pick Eamon up in the morning, there was a report on the news that somebody or a group of lads, without naming any names, had chased someone. He'd jumped over a fence and fallen into a, like a big vat of water and drowned. But ne- I didn't tell Eamon and he didn't tell me. But oh, but we, you'd both b- seen we it. We both knew, yeah. right? Because we talked about it like probably on the way home. Yeah. And that's why I was like, oh my God, just get him out of this safe, right, <laughs> yeah. please. And that was another thing where I'm just like, why do I get roped into this, right? We got paid 50 quid a day. and then But the most degrading, embarrassing part of the whole thing actually was there was something called the nobbins. It's like an old tradition. I don't know why it's called the nobbins. Somebody might tell us why it's called the nobbins. But you where it was kept up kept us straight i'd have to walk around with a baseball cap and you're essentially begging for money and i'm just like are you when he's telling me this this isn't ronnie this is i think ronnie's grandson yeah, is so explaining already, this so i've already got two quid each yeah people coming in yeah and now they want yeah they want <laughs> yeah yeah now they want me the wrestler and, I, and he's explained to me i'll just go around with your hat and you know people just drop money in it I'm like mate it's not 19 19- 48. That's a good idea. I might well, have you going around your call with her. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like, I'm begging for money, you know. Like, I can remember one time I got 10p in the hat. But other times I'd come back with like 20, 30 quid. And then you just split it down the middle with whoever yeah. else was on the show. So it was good financially, but um, it was just... 
You'd rather not. not I'd, ra- a... I'd rather not have the money yeah. than go around because there was like, you know, there was girls there, there was big guys there, there was some people who knew me, you know, who just happened to be, not like wrestling fans, people who sort of knew my family who just happened to be there. Like, oh, are you involved in this? Oh, yeah. So I'd have to knob in them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and, and Eamon always laughs. He says, oh, your big thing was, oh, you got a spare quid for a pint. That was my line. I don't know why, but that's just what I had to resort to. Yeah. But there was no getting away from it. It was just like, no, that's what you got to do. And then they'd be like, we've been watching you. You haven't had a single pint all night. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you, you little thief. So, um, yeah. But, people, but some people donated generously, but it was just really awkward, really embarrassing. If you know me as a person, you know, I don't really say boost to a goose, really. And having to go up to someone with an empty hat and say, can I have some of your money, please? Yeah, it was probably one of the lowest moments in my That's life. That's a tremendous story, though. Yeah, yeah. So a lot, I, I, and and the reason why I think it's still going on was for the next, I'd say, next ten years. Every year, I get a message from Mick, who was the wrestler, saying, "Do you want to do the Dorset Steam Fair this year?" <laughs> and I'm just like, "Absolutely not!" But thank you so, so much. I wonder, I wonder who's been doing it then. I don't know. I I don't know who's been doing it. That's a good question. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's footage of it, maybe on YouTube, not my one, but. Some of the wrestling on YouTube. Um, but yeah, that was my experience doing wow. the challenges, you know, the Blackpool challenges. So you've done it, you've ticked that off the list though, yeah, haven't you? So well, you can kind of it, yeah. You can say like, oh, I used to go round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, used to, I used to do the carnivals. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. That was my that was my experience on the car- wrestling and in the carnivals, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, oh, I still cringe about it now. It was 2005, so and 13 you, years ago. Do you ago. think that it did help you as a wrestler? Do you think yeah, you learned a yeah, lot? Yeah, yeah because... Um, again, they're not wrestling fans, obviously. They're people just, yeah, they probably like wrestling sporadically, but there was a bit where me and, oh yeah, that was right, me and Eamon ended up fighting each other once as the two punters for whatever reason. And again, we're just improvising in the ring and Eamon gave me a drop kick, which got a great big, woo, you know, like it was like, wow. And then he did the Owen Hart spinning heel kick on me, which I think was just too implausible. <laughs> yeah. People were just like, uh, you know, like, what, what? I thought you guys were fighting each other. Yeah. yeah. So we learned that, you know, we learned that, yeah. you know, drop kick is a good high spot. <laughs> But the, the the spinning heel I can, kick. I can buy a drop kick, but <laughs> not a spinning heel kick. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, that's something we still laugh about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's my big one of, uh, you know, the lowest of the lows. Uh, yeah. I know you've got a good one as well, which also involves me, funnily enough. Yeah, so, so my lowest of the lows was uh, I was asked to do a... Um, as a, as a promoter, I was asked to run a show. I can't remember it. it was was it somewhere just outside Southampton or something? Yeah, I, it was, I think it's sort of like New Forest where Holbury, like, yeah, Holbury something like that. that. Yeah. yeah, and it was like a. I was asked to do a. It was like an open air wrestling show fundraiser, um, and they said like, you know, we need a ring, we need some matches throughout the day, and they said Look, if you can donate some merchandise to our raffle as well, our charity raffle as well, and it was like at a pub, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but a like, big garden. Yeah, it's big, a nice pub, big garden. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, if you can donate some, uh, you know, if you can donate some prizes for raffle, that'd be much appreciated as well. So, so yep, yeah, whatever. And they, but they said we'll pay you to do it. We've got funding to do this. We'll pay you to do this. How much do you need? And I quote them the price. They said that's fine, no problem whatsoever. Um, you know that's a that's cheap if anything. I was like, oh shit. Uh, <laughs> but but um, so we do that. So so we turn up. Um, it was a Saturday morning. We turn up at this pub garden, um, and the first thing I think the first thing that sh- got my mind got me was like. They had a lot of stuff there, right? So Dodgems was one of the things. Yeah, the Dodgem, like a real full-size like Dodgem yeah. set, like you'd see and down like, the down the the, yeah, the amusements. Yeah, and we're thinking this could be quite good here. Yeah. Like this could, be, but and also thinking like, um, you know, like 
how's this a you know how's this a charity fundraiser yeah. if this is that must have cost a few you know, grand yeah you know, to hire Dodgem yeah for a and day. I'm thinking and I'm thinking oh we did quote very low <laughs> in terms of a, for a show but anyway um, we set up the ring um, and uh, and they were all very nice as pie to us at the start yeah um, and the ring's all set up and we're good to go um, and um, we we have matches and I think we decide we're going to do matches every half an hour. Um, but there's not really many people there, right? To watch. To, to watch. No. And at the actual... Yeah, it's not, it's not buzzing. Like you th- It was almost like the, the garden was so big and there were so many elaborate things there. You'd think it'd be like the town summer fate was there. You know, like the yeah. list carnival was going. Do you know what I mean? There was that much there, wasn't there? Yeah, like, there was so much stuff and yeah. like not many people to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. if we wanted to, if we were there and we wanted to go on the, the dodgems, we could have been on them nonstop all day. <laughs> and I don't think yeah. anyone would have said a word. Yeah. Um, so I remember it started to rain as well and it was open air, um, which wasn't ideal, obviously. But we were like, oh, we can still do it. It's fine. No problem whatsoever. And this was what, like when we were just literally, we'd do anything, you know. And the first match was uh, uh, that we did was uh, Andy Boy Simmons yep. versus the Lion Kid. Wrong. Was it not the Lion Kid? It was the British Eagle. Oh, we were talking Versus the British Eagle. I knew it was Wade Fitzgerald. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Andy Boy Simmons versus the British Eagle. So you two had a match of each other, and how did yeah. it go, Andy? Oh, I got, probably terrible, but only because it's that lack of atmosphere terrible, you know? Yeah, like, it's like, no one watching. Come so. on, empty field! Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. And there's, like, yeah. a couple of people watching and, and whatever. Um, and um, and the, the match happens, and uh, you, you just kind of have your match. It is what it is. Yeah, it's just a match. Yeah. Just like, and we've got a few, and like, I, I didn't know whether to start with, like, because I was like, because we had like, I, know, I remember, I can't remember who else was there, but I know Martin Stone was there and I was like, he's like a big rugged mm-hmm. kind of guy. Was RJ Singh there? Possibly. T-Bone was there. T-Bone was there, yeah. And, and like, so guys like that, I was like, you know, Skins? like, uh, I don't know, like, but I want to say, like, but I, but I, all I, I remember specifically Martin being there yeah, okay. and I, cause I, cause I remember thinking if I put Martin and maybe T-Bone on first, there's like two rugged guys. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, oh no, like, you know, Wade does high flying stuff and you're, you know, you two all have a good match with each other. Yeah. So, you know, it's a nice way, to, you know, a clear good guy, because there wasn't a good guy, bad guy to divide in. Well, they're, they're, you know, not as much as, you know, the masked high flyer against, mm-hmm. you know, the stocky little mm. angry man. Powerhouse. Yeah, Powerhouse. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I was looking for. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so that happens, right? So you have your match and then they're like, oh, Andy, have you got your, stuff for the, the raffle I'm like yeah and I give them like a championship belt like a you know a WWE replica championship belt mm-hmm. um, toy like, one a toy one yeah uh, a Rey Mysterio mask um, and a couple of DVDs and a couple of programs and maybe maybe even like a, one of those inflatable hammers and a and a foam finger as well you know yeah. there's quite a few it's probably 50 quid's worth yeah of, easy worth of stuff, easy yeah. yeah and um, so they kind of took that and that was fine right and then we're just about getting ready for the next match and then I get called over to them and they're like, come here. And they're like, and I'm like cornered by these men. <laughs> Keep in mind, I'd left by this point. I'd actually, okay, I'd, I'd done my match and I, I was with some evilly demanding girlfriend so she was like, can you just go and come home? I was like, okay. So me yeah. and Wade and I want to say one other had gone. So, uh, so yeah, Otherwise so I'd have been there for you. <laughs> good, good yeah. to know. So I'm like cornered by these blokes and they're like, what was that? And I was like, what? And they're like, what, we, what just happened earlier? And I was like, well, it was a wrestling match. And they're like, we don't think it's any good. 
I'm like, oh, I'm sorry about that. They're like, well, what else have you got? Have you got any other matches coming up? It's like, yeah, we agreed that we were going to do one every half hour. The next one's about to go out. And they're like, I don't really think that it's worth us doing this, is it? I'm like, what? And they're like, well, it's no good, is it? And I'm like, well, what what would you like? And they're like, not this. <laughs> you know. And then I'm like, <clears throat> okay, so what do you want to, to do? And they're like, well, we think you should probably just pack up and off I'm like well you're going to need to pay me which is a stupid decision (laughs) for me to say and they're like and what's all this I'm like what do you mean and he holds up like the mask he's like what's this tat and I'm like well it's it's a replica wrestling mask it's a do you know what I mean what do you want me to bring like bottles of wine do you know what I mean (laughs) what's it replica wrestling mask and what's this it's a program from one of our events you know, like it was a, we had like annual programs at yeah. the time. It's a program, and what's you know? How can you expect? What's this? It's a championship belt. This is cheap tat. How can you expect us to raffle this stuff off, right? You should say you should come to my one of my shows. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. and like it gets quite nasty. Yeah, and then eventually he's just like, "Well, listen, take the ring down now, <laughs> right? All right." So you start taking the ring down, putting the thing, and uh, but I'm like, "But we are going to need to be paid." Right, and then he just gets out like a big wad of cash, and he starts putting money in my hand. Right, and I can't remember how much he gave me, but he gave me near enough what they'd uh, yeah what they'd said. But it wasn't it wasn't exact, but it was enough for me to be like right. <laughs> and they're like, right now, take your money and off. <laughs> that was weird though, like right? and, and they just you. flipped, just flipped, literally yeah. from something to nothing, all because you had a terrible match with. Uh, yeah. the, but but like you know, seriously, so there was nothing wrong with the match. It was, yeah, it was just a match, but, like, wasn't it? But like, I've always, but I've always thought to myself, what what, they... what would happen if I we put like Martin Stone versus T Bone on first? Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Would that have had any difference at all, or sure. would it still? Have, and I reckon it probably wouldn't have had any difference whatsoever. No. You know, but like um. But yeah, so that happened, and I on that day forward, I vowed two things. I was like, um, which I like. I remember we did a show um, like a few years later, which was again another open air thing. But it was like for a, um, it was either in Ipswich or Colchester, somewhere like that, um, and uh, it was like a steam fair, some something like that. Okay. And um, and I remember specifying I have to be paid up front, and they were like, um, oh, do you not trust us? And I'm like, no, it's not. I don't trust you. It's just my rules we have to be paid up front so like to hold the date you then had to pay a deposit mm-hmm. and then for us to come and do the show you'd have to pay us in advance or on arrival or we don't set the ring up and we go home sure and uh, so they were like oh don't you trust us don't you trust us it's like no we just you know have to abide by yeah. this set this simple set of principles mm-hmm. because otherwise it's just not worth my hassle and I swear I came out of there and I was just like, and I remember saying to the boys, I was like, right, just drive along and we'll pull over at the first services we see and I'll pay you all for doing your stuff then. Okay. And then we'll uh, like, rather than, you know, have this wad of money and be dishing it out to people in, in front of all those guys. I was just like, just drive along. Let's get, and they were all stood there in the, um, in the, in the drive of the pub swearing as we, uh, what, like, <laughs> swearing what, at like, their yeah, yeah, yeah. As we, as we drove off. Yeah. Strange. So, but it was weird. Yeah. Really, really weird. Yeah. So, but the fact that he paid you—that's why I don't. Because yeah, I was not the full amount, but no. But, but I don't know. But I didn't know. Like I was like, well, maybe they've got a thing going on where whereby they've got funding for this thing. So we had to invoice them. So we invoice them for the full amount of money, right? And if they pay us two hundred and fifty quid short, yeah, they can then pocket that two hundred and fifty quid short, yeah, and still have the invoice. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like I, that it could have been a scam like that, based upon the fact that you know, like. 
if you're really trying to raise money, like really, really trying to raise money, then why mm. would you spend all that money on dodgems? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, so it like, required. Yeah, so that's that's kind of my that's kind of my take on it and and my the only thing I can assume could have possibly happened. You know, they maybe they were just trying to skim some money off the top and that's why <laughs> they you know, they were yeah. given the cash for this, they had the invoice and sure. and that was that. The wrestling was there, they ticked that box, now get out. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, weird, isn't it? But yeah. Yeah. So okay. that happened. Yeah, and then on the way home that's like I've been in some car accidents, but nothing serious. But that was that's on driving home from that, completely unrelated, was that the first time I've ever span off the road. Was really? driving back. From I didn't that. Know yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Coming off a slip road and never. I couldn't. It was summer. Do you know what I mean? I think it was raining, like you said, but it wasn't torrential. I just span. I've never spanned anything like it, and I've never nearly messed my pants in a car. <laughs> Like I did there, it was me, Wade, and someone else in the car. I'm sure there was, but anyway, we made it back safe. So and so did we. Yeah, <laughs> that's all that matters. Yeah, but well, that's the type of stuff. Like I say, oh, I wouldn't do that again. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah. Mm. You just never know what you're walking into, do you? No. Yeah. No, you don't. Never know. No. And if anything, I just send Dan McGee now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll deal with it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So. um yeah, that's what. Yeah, we got anything else? I'm sure. There's well, I've got. Loads, well, I'll, I'll tell one more quick one. Okay. I, like just, just. Uh, I'll try I guess we, we, we're coming well. like we're coming close to the, to a, an hour, maybe even hitting an hour. Um, so just a quick one. So I uh, obviously my my first experience of holiday camps, aside from the ones I've done, you know, as a referee, my first experience of, of running a holiday camp was a, perhaps the best best experience you could have at Bun Leisure, a place where which we've documented where they just wanted high quality professional wrestling and something and re, you know like a wrestling promoter who actually cared about what was going on in the show and like it very much they they have the same philosophies on not just professional wrestling but on entertainment as I do with my professional wrestling shows you know they don't scrimp and save they don't have you know some of the rubbish tribute acts you see on the uh, doing the circuit you know yeah. they wouldn't get they wouldn't come anywhere near bundle not to say they don't have tribute acts but they the ones they do have are of a very high standard all their all their entertainments is of a high standard but well, they had at that time didn't they they did yeah. yeah and they and they were they are of a um you know they they're not afraid to spend money they they know like they said you know when they're running the the winter seasons the first few years they're like we're prepared to lose I think it was a million pounds the first year. Like they're like, we know we're going to lose money because we have to turn it into a tradition, you know, and they're they're willing to, and that's kind of always been my philosophy on stuff. So that's why we've always gone so well hand in hand together. Meanwhile, there was another holiday camp, which I think was in the Isle of Sheppey, the hometown of Zack Sabre Jr. Yes, it was. Um, And it was actually run by, you know, Jay from EastEnders. Yeah, who who at the time was a kid kid character. He was a kid character, yeah, who's kind of grown up in EastEnders. It's run by... Yeah, he's still in it now. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, and it was run by his parents. Yes. Um, so I was like, "Oh, this must be all right." And the way this camp came about was, uh, Petey Staniforth used to run shows there, <laughs> one summer. Yeah. And uh, so he used to run shows there, and um, but he used to run like essentially Monday Night Raw with crap wrestlers, or, or WrestleMania with crap wrestlers, like three and a half hour epic shows with you know all this shenanigans and whatever have you. Um, and, uh, and I remember the first one we did was uh, the same day as the Epic Encounter show, the Sitting More Spectacular we spoke about last week, the very first one, 2009. Right, that was the first one we did. Um, and I remember we went to Sitting Bourne, set up there, and then went off to um, to Sheppey. And I got the show started, and then I came back to Sitting Bourne for the start of the Sitting Bourne show. Because obviously Sheppey and Sitting Bourne are only down the road from each other. And it was a uh, bank holiday weekend. So... 
that was a uh, and basically what happened was Pete Stanford have done like another one of these three hour three and a half hour shows and there was a riot or something. Yeah, I want to say someone broke a bottle and, and threatened to bottle someone. And it was and it, it was one of the wrestlers associated yeah. with the show, right? Yes. And um, so that got them kicked out. So I I kind of stepped in and um, and I was thinking you know this is going to be nice a nice little Bunsen burner as we like to call it you know and uh, we get there and like the, the money we were getting paid was not. Uh, really enough but I was like we'll sell merchandise and I knew that we were kind of competing in line with what Pete Staniforth was charging for his hobby wrestling you know yeah um, and uh, and on top of that they didn't they weren't going to get a full show like do you know like so they'd get a full show but it was like you know two singles and a tag not for example what we'd produce at Bun Leisure where we put on essentially a you know, a full show which has three, four, five matches. Like, well, but Bunnage is two hours, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, and this was a, this was they were getting a you know a one hour show um, at the most. You know, like probably forty five minutes with a fifteen minute break in the middle, as is, is standard for many yeah, shows around standard, the country. Yeah. You know, um, so that's what they were getting. The first one went off without hitch. However, I took so little on merchandise. We took so we made so little for, and like everything was like, oh, can you go to like you know, to get paid, you'd invoice them, but then you'd have to go to the till and like the mum would open up the bar and, you know, the till at the bar and pay you out the, Okay. you know, and I was just like, oh, this is so like, I don't, I don't need this in my life, even though I needed, the, at the time I really needed the money, but like, I just knew there and then I didn't need it in my life. And I remember going back and I was saying to Mark Sloan, I was like, uh, who was still an active wrestler at the time. I was like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I'm, like, I don't think I can do this. I don't, want to like we had dates throughout the year and i was just like it's not worth my time it's not worth my effort we make no money on merchandise it's just not you know it's a dingy venue we can't film the shows because it looks so crap like it's just the like you right? yep yep i thought i had a sneeze coming on but it'll come later um ready it's like, yeah, we, we can't film the shows because it doesn't look any good. Um, so, really, there's there's nothing of value in the shows for myself. Yeah, probably, probably so, making 75 quid or something. Yeah, which, yeah. for that effort, isn't yeah, worth isn't doing. Yeah, isn't a lot, yeah. So, I'm like, I'm going to jack it in. And Mark's like, convinces me not to jack it in. And he's like, listen, I'll go down and I'll wrestle and I will run the show for you. And I will do your merchandise because that's when his wrestling shop was uh, starting to take off, and he he was essentially like, "I'm a guru on wrestling merchandise. <laughs> Leave know. it to me, lads." So he's like, "Just give me your merchandise. I'll set it up for you. I'll sell the merchandise. I'll like, do you know what I mean? I'll I'll run the show, right?" Mark did one show, and he called me up and was like, "You're right, mate. Yeah, <laughs> like, there's no no saving it." So um so so I didn't even bother going to that one, and that happened and whatever. And then the next time round, um, so I did a full summer there. <laughs> like, really? I don't remember. Yeah, this yeah. But we did a f- we did every week there. Um, but we, um, but yeah. Then the next time, I uh, who do I send when uh, it doesn't work for me? It doesn't work for Mark. Who do I send to to be the responsible adult? Who? Andy Boy Simmons. Oh right. <laughs> I didn't realise that was what you're getting at. Yeah, I did it one time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One time. Yeah, I just had a new dog. Like yeah. a new puppy. That is. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I can't. Uh, we would, I was trying to really jog my memory, but my main memory of it was so the general gist of a lot of holiday camp shows, not all of them, but a lot of them are, you know, you'd have a couple of singles matches or three singles matches, then you'd do some sort of angle, um, you know, very brief one 
where it ends up, right, let's do a Royal Rumble where all the wrestlers will come out again, or let's do a three-on-three tag team match. And so we'd done, I can remember Zack Sabre Jr. was there. I want to say Marty was there. And can you remember who else was there? I don't know. Like the, the shows all blur into one because I like I literally wasn't really at any of the shows apart mm. from the first week. I know I know Alan Gallagher and Wolf Alexander did quite a few of them. I want to say Daryl um, Allen was there when I did one. He may have been. Like, yeah, Daryl, Kieran, those guys. Um, yeah, anyone. Like, I, like by the end of it, I was just filling the shows just because, like, what's the point? Weren't bothered. Yeah. Like, uh, but yeah. So you. So 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 we've done our singles matches, whether they may have been. We did our tag match, whether that may have been. So we're all sat there kind of thinking, oh, it was all right, you know, like it wasn't wasn't great, was it? But we, we got through the show and then we get Jay's mum, I don't know her name. <laughs> Sharon not, her name was. Sharon knocking on the door going, uh, you boys haven't done enough. Sorry. I, I pay for two hours and you've done an hour and 45 minutes. And I'm like... She didn't pay for two hours. Why? Well, <laughs> whatever she... Yeah, not in real life. Whatever she... Whatever the agreement was, we hadn't... And I was like, well, we've, we've done it now. Like, we've done our tat, you know, we've done the G, we've done the angle, we've done the match. That's it. Show. <laughs> what do you want to uh, do? Yeah, she's like, no, I want another 15 minutes of wrestling. But everyone's finished. Like, not the wrestlers as, as well. Like, the wrestlers were kind of the least. But the audience have had enough. She's like, no, I paid for two hours of wrestling. I want another 15 minutes. So uh, probably me and someone else ended up, maybe Zach went out there and wrestled for another 15 minutes. Just because... For no reason. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like one of us had to walk out and go, actually, I'm still not, I'm still <laughs> I'm not still settled. Not happy. I'm still happy on this. Let's get another wrestler out in. You know, we sat there and everyone was probably just, want, just go away. I want to watch, you know. What, I want to do the bingo. The, yeah, I want to do bingo. I want put the, put, get the comedian out here. So, yeah, that was another riveting disaster. And it's safe to say that after that summer, yeah. I... Uh, yeah, I never did it again. I, d- I, never, uh, I never even bothered contacting them no. about... The follow-up. You know, nothing. Just We did our commitment and that was that. Uh Um, And then that was another, that was just another example of, I, this isn't the business that I want to be a part of. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't care about making an extra 50 quid or scratch. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not interested. Like, I don't get any fulfillment out of that stuff. I get fulfillment out of, like I said at the top of this, which is, I guess, as we come and bring it to a close here, um, I get fulfillment out of trying trying to carve and create a legacy for myself um, and tr- trying to create a product that people are going to remember. And like, I genuinely feel, and th- this isn't against holiday camps at all, because I genuinely feel with the shows I put on at uh, uh, Bun Leisure, those shows are shows that people are going to remember as a highlight of their holiday. You know, not like, uh, oh, my mum forced me to watch this wrestling so she could go to the bar and have a beer. Yeah. Like, you know, this is going to, this is something that people will take home with them and, and remember for a long time to come. And it often results in people then coming to one of our shows in Portsmouth or, sure. you know, and, and we create lifelong fans. And that's what I want to do with every single thing I do is have that, um, that in, we call it it's in Soccer AM, bounce back ability. Okay. Remember that one? No. Okay. Well, we have that bounce back ability. You know, we want people to come back again and again and again and again. So, um, so, you know, to me, it it's very hard to say no sometimes, as you find find out more than most. Oh yeah, I can't say no to anyone. Um, but for me, sometimes you have to say no, even if it's making a few quid. Mm-hmm. And and you might look at it at the end of the year and be like, oh, all that combined, like say you're making a hundred quid profit per deal, and you're doing ten a year. Oh, that's an extra grand a year. That's a lot of money. 
don't care. Yeah. Like you got like you've got to start putting a value. To me, that's a, that's the thing I've learned most about growing up. You know, you have to put a value on your time, um, and it has to be fulfilling for you. So it has to either be financially f- fulfilling or. Um, or should we say commercially fulfilling or artistically fulfilling? One of the two. Yeah. I don't think there's any uh-huh. in between. Um, and I think like scrimping and saving a few quid and making a few quid. Nah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we can't take our money with us and I'm sure you'll try. <laughs> <laughs> but, I'll get buried with it. Yeah. But, but yeah, we can't take our money with us. And, uh, and, and again, you have to put a value on your own time. Um, and to me, there's no better value of my time than being sat here with you every week. <laughs> so I was going to make that and, joke uh, as well. <laughs> you know, sharing our stories, continuing our legacy mm-hmm. with our fine listeners here at the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I'm sorry I've been sneezing and coughing and all sorts down, but it's going to get a whole lot worse in the next few days, I'm sure. So please send me some get well tweets at Boy Simmons. I'd like, to point, I'd like to point out that not a single person purchased a present for me really? for Calvin. So oh, I'd, I'd like to think more of our audience, considering we give them this great content for free every week. I know, yeah. yeah. But I did, I will say though, I did get a lot of congratulations at your call. You so did. That was nice. Yeah, that was A nice, nice. feeling. Yeah. So... And thanks to Patrick Lennon as well for a shout out in the Daily Star as well. Yeah. That earned me all kinds of brownie points. You wouldn't even understand. Yeah, that was quite a good one, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah well done. Yeah, so yeah. follow me on Twitter anyway. Far more important. At B-O-Y-S-I-M-M-O-N-Z. And at A Quilden. A-Q-U-I-L-D-A-N. I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, all the good stuff. So, um, so, uh, so yeah, and check out revolutionprowrestling.com. <laughs> Oh my God, he's ruined the episode. <laughs> we were so close. He had to hold it in for five more seconds and he couldn't. So, Oh, and also um, remember to like the Facebook page. And yes, like the Facebook page. I, I was thinking about stuff we could put on the Facebook page. Um, I'm going to put on the, the letter. I'm going to find that letter from WWE, you know, for free tickets. Oh yeah, that okay. Time. That's yep. going to go on there. I think I've got that saved somewhere. Oh, really? you sent it to me, yeah. Okay. I think I might have it. Yeah. Well, we're going to put on all kinds of stuff. So like the Facebook page as well. And anyway, that's all we've got time for. So we'll speak to you again next week. Laters. Goodbye. <laughs>